The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox, along with Gary Hogan, are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all in your uh, Christmas sweaters and such. Uh, This is it before we uh, head into the big holiday. Are you guys ready? Absolutely ready, yeah. Kind of, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we have an absolutely to a kind of. Well, that pretty much is. Somewhere in between. I've always been a bit of a last-minute Christmas shopper, Scott. So, you know, it, it adds a little bit like an adrenaline rush to the shopping Absolutely. It's like playing in a football game. you got so many minutes to get her done. And we're assuming we do our own shopping, of course. (laughs) At least a small percentage of it. Exactly. (laughs) All right, Gary, I know you want to start out with interest rates, recession talk, inflation and more. Man, you got the whole bag here. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought it would be a great way to. uh sort of sail into to next year. And, and so interest rates, inflation, reset, all the talk about recession or potential recession and uh, many more things I thought I would include. So interest rates, as we know, are now higher than they've been since 2008. And uh, we, we can thank the, the fact that there's been seven consecutive increases since March of, uh, of, of this year. And uh, the end of the rate hike uh, appears to be near, but uh, again, uh, remains to be seen. So we'll uh, we'll just have to see what happens as we as we move forward. So recent uh, recent homeowners, and here's you know here's some of the fallout here. So recent homeowners with variable rate mortgages are obviously among the many who are finding these increases to be uh, very difficult to to deal with. And there's some new research from the Bank of Canada that shows that half of variable rate mortgages, half, have now reached a point where mortgage monthly payments really only cover the interest. You know, think about mm. that. That's, wow. that's, that's staggering. That's staggering, especially when, you know, for many, many decades, one of the primary focuses that, that people had was to get that mortgage paid down uh, reasonably as quickly as it could while balancing other, other objectives. So I find that that particular statistic really, really uh, concerning. Uh, the good news is, that the end of the rate hikes, as I as I alluded to, may be imminent, and the Bank of Canada may want to take a pause on these rate hikes in the in the very near future. Really, more than anything, just to see how these rate increases have impacted things overall, and uh, because it does take some time to really identify what benefit has taken place by raising interest rates. Uh, sometimes even one to two years before we really know. Mm-hmm. So many economists actually believe that today's economy uh, is more sensitive to interest rates than say 10 years ago. And that's that's simply due to one thing primarily, and that's that the the, the debt load, the high levels of of consumer debt are far more significant now than they were uh, in the past. So, you know, so why has, and I know we get asked this a lot, Don, and so, so why has the Bank of Canada continued to raise interest rates so aggressively? Well, you know, some would argue that um, that they've done that because uh, they've they've waited so long to begin raising rates, and um, 
you know, when we look back, uh, you know, inflation really started to take off in Q4 of 2021. And so what may have made sense, certainly in hindsight, is that they began some more conservative uh, interest rate hikes then uh, rather than, than waiting until March. Um, so, you know, the bank's response, the Bank of Canada's response to that type of criticism is to, is to say simply that the economy was overheated and needed these higher rates aggressively to, to fight inflation. So I think a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of economists, and, and I realize when we're looking through the lens in the past, it's easy to uh, conclude, you know, draw conclusions about things. But I think, I think most of us agree that it would have made a great deal of sense to begin some, uh, some hikes earlier because it was obvious that we Absolutely. were headed that way. You know, uh, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to play Monday morning quarterback and <clears> such. But in a sense, this was also predicted because I remember people using phrases back at the beginning or midpoint of the pandemic, the roaring 20s. When it came back, look out, it was going to take off. And it was perhaps a little slower to get the car pushed. But once it bit, it did take off. Yeah, right. you know, absolutely, Scott. It's kind of interesting. If you go back to our old shows, Back in December, we were surprised they weren't increasing rates at that time. And we were already at that time at uh, pre-pandemic employment mm -hmm. back in November of last year. And yeah. so any of the rhetoric you're hearing about, oh, we've got to help out the employment on those still hurt by the pandemic, it was really untruthful because yeah. we already got back there. Yeah. We're still ramping it up and throwing tons of money at the issue. Yeah. And everybody that's ever taken an economics class knows that if you throw a bucket load of money into an economy, the end result will be inflation. Right, right. And you know, we, we have to address the, the reality of the way things are and what led up to this. But also, there's some good news. And I think we have to, we have to balance this out because there, there isn't a great deal of positive news that's promoted uh, right now. So or at least it's, it's not received because people are so concerned about the situation. But you know, the Canada's inflation rate in October was 6.9%. And that was down from uh, June's peak, which was uh, 8.1. So, you know, it is working to some degree. But again, as I said earlier, we, it, it does take time to really understand uh, the, the total impact. If we look at the, the, the three-month annualized inflation rate, the last three months, it's dropped to just below 4%. So, you know, so that, again, is, a, is another good sign. Um, also, sort of helping the situation uh, in terms of inflation is that household spending has dropped in the third quarter of, of this year. So again, these, there, there are some positive things that are happening to, to counter the situation. Um, we, you know, so far, we haven't seen any slowing in the jobs data uh, reporting as yet. Uh, and Canada's unemployment rate for November is remaining low or did remain low. Uh, contrary to what typically happens, entering a recession. Um, you know, and I mentioned earlier, we might see, we certainly might see another interest rate hike, uh, perhaps early in 2023. But certainly, uh, I think most people that are, that are paying close attention to this uh, feel that we are heading towards a recession. And let's let's understand too the, the the technical definition of a recession, and that's two consecutive negative quarters of uh, of of real GDP. Um, so I think it's I think it's fair to say that there there are some things that are leaning in that direction. 
Let me ask this question, though, Gary. Um, if we were heading into an, a recession, and we've heard that uh, for the last little while, but there is a minimal amount of growth, why would we be heading into one at this time as opposed to earlier? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And there are some indicators. And and what um, what many feel is that even though we, we are likely to head into a recessionary period, it will be, and a term that's that's used that Don and I are very familiar with, it's, it, it's a soft landing. We expect it to be a relatively soft landing. You know, the average, the average uh, length of a recession historically is 10 months. Uh, so if it's a soft landing and if other things come into uh, to play, then, it, you know, it, it may very well be shorter than that. But, um, you know, but the, the, the ind- sorry, Don, go ahead. Yeah, and if you actually just look at the economy right now, you know, you go to the restaurants, you look at the airports, you're trying to book a hotel or going up, you know, even for skiing or New Year's Eve at this stage. It's like, whoo, what recession? And there is money being spent, you know, and there and we are eventually it does catch up. But this is to Gary's point, a bit of a soft landing with employment so high. There's still so many people that are, you know, we're looking to employ people versus the people that are unemployed. Yep. And so that difference is, is what will make the real, the difference maker of a soft landing versus a hard landing, if you will. Yeah, yeah, good point. And, you know, so to the point of, of why are we heading or why do we think we're heading into a recession? Well, there's some very specific economic indicators that suggest or that are typical of a pre-recessionary period. And those would include an inverted yield curve. So that's basically where where it's, uh, it's determined that future interest rates will be lower than the current interest rates, you know, to put it quite simply. Uh, declining manufacturing output, you know, and, and, and by the way, uh, a decline in manufacturing uh, is, it actually typically leads to a stronger market, stock market, ironically. Uh, so another indicator is inflationary shock. Well, we've certainly been shocked to death you know, since March, in terms of these increases, which have impact many, many people, and uh, the interest rates uh, following the, you know, inflation, of course, declining housing starts. And that's obvious, we know that we're experiencing that. And there's other negative leading economic indicators. So I think, you know, those are some of the indicators that we're actually seeing right now. Um, and much of this has been caused by the uh, the significant influx of money contributing to the, the 2021 post-COVID hangover the injection of money. And to Don's point earlier, you know, when you throw money, when the government throws money at situations, it's automatically going to ignite inflation. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's a, that's an important point for, for people to, to consider. Um, and then we got to couple that with the supply chain issues that we we've been dealing with and talking about for, for some time. And, um, you know, so I think those things have to be also factored in. So ironically, um, economic contractions, and I love that term because it makes it sound milder than it, than it perhaps really is, but they're a positive sign for markets to respond favorably. And I just touched on that a moment ago because negative issues have already been factored in to the current share prices. So we've gone through a period where uh, the worst of the worst in terms of what could have happened or does does happen at times has really taken place. And uh, so there's more upside opportunity than there is downside, I guess. So, terms. so would you say the worst of this is behind us? Well, 
No one can say that for sure. Yeah, but that's a crystal I think, ball I question. Think there's a there's an indicator for absolutely, and, um, and the markets are a really good uh, indicator of that. They're basically yeah. trying to predict with a lot of money on their line to what the what the economy will be doing. So this is quite as to Gary's point. When we actually are in a recessionary period, often the stock market is already going up, right? Mm. Because right. it's now predicting the end of it. So when people get their people that receive quarterly investment statements, when they get their year-end quarterly statement, they're going to see a significant improvement over the third quarter's numbers. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. All right, end of the year coming up. More financial planning tips for this time. Yes, and... uh... We'll start with consolidating your assets. You know, I don't know how many times, Gary, you've come across you know, new clients or, or, or uh, prospects, if you will, and, and they've got money spread everywhere. And, and maybe yeah. they inherited money or a spouse passed away or there's a do-it-yourself. Or, but at the end of the day, you'll have relationships with a, a, a bunch of different banks or brokerage companies. And well, all you're doing is it's, you're making it more confusing at the end of the day. Now, when they okay. think they're diversifying, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You hold you hold Bell Canada stock in four different in, in holdings in two, four different banks. It's still Bell Canada stock, and you're not diversifying. So, asset allocation creates eighty five percent of a person's return. So, how much you have in Canada? How much you have in U.S.? How much you have in f- fixed income? That creates the majority of your return. Now, if you pick a good manager, or if you pick the right stocks or the timing is great, you know, things that are less in our control, that's the other 15%. But the first things first is get the right allocation. Well, how difficult is it to get the allocation right if you've got it spread all over the place? And so when you're dealing with your financial advisor, it's nice to have it one place because they'll have a, you know, a pie chart. Here's your allocation. And it makes it so much easier for rebalancing or anything such as that. Also, you're, there's a, you know, there's, cost savings in numbers. So if you've got, you know, different plateaus, there's different fee rates for different uh, platforms you may deal with at whichever. And I know with IG, it's the same way. At a half a million dollars is where one cost advisory fees at a million, it it reduces at at, uh, 2 million, it reduces again. So again, as you climb up the ladder, the fees reduce. So by consolidating, you're also saving money, which in turn increases your rate of return. So, and you're going to just get better advice in general. Because we're always trying to guess, okay, how would the other side do? Could you send me your other statements? It's just cumbersome. And at the end of the day, are you actually going to get any value from that? The only exception, if for those hobbyists that like to play with a little bit of money, would be to say, okay, if you want to have 50000 on the sideline and you want to pick a few stocks that may not be in your own portfolio here, then that's great. Okay, have a good time. You have something to look at every day. 
I love that term, the hobbyist. So now every time I see a Quest Trade commercial, I'm going to go, those guys are just hobbyists. They're just playing with money here. They're not really planning their financial future. They're just hobbyists, kind of like, you know, gardening or, uh, you know, buying exactly. lottery tickets. Yeah, something to do. And I got to go back to the day I started. My best, my best buddy, his dad, he was involved in a he, but this was a hobby. He loved looking at it every day and and he had charts and it was literally a hobby for him to, to, to watch it. Did he make any more money by doing this? Not at all. But it was something that he enjoyed doing and he didn't want to take it away from him. So then later on, it eventually we diversified and it was still allowed. OK, you have that enjoy and we have the bulk of it. And this is your serious money that is going to get you for the rest of your life as far as an income goes. And now he goes to the casino every week. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it is a difficult job and trying to beat the pros at this game is extremely difficult. Like you're looking at the, the, the amount of resources that the managers have at their disposal that we do not have. It, it's, it's insane how much more they know about things to make a good decision. And they still make bad decisions here and there. And the emotion, Don, right, of, of trying to make decisions about your own money. Very difficult. Uh, the behavior, um, the, the behavioral gap, if you will, on terms of what you're trying to do is a good time to buy. There's a herd mentality. There's so many emotional drivers that make us poor investors. And that's where a, a good from manager a guy. Is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so again, consolidate and have a plan with the, your asset allocation. Now, again, on that, on that note, reviewing your asset allocation regularly. Okay, find out what you what you have right now. And it's interesting, your risk tolerance changes with the markets. So the people that we saw last year, Gary, at the exact same time, one year ago, after a very good year in the markets where they may have made, say, 10 or 12%, they uh, versus today where they may be down 8% year to date, depending on their mix, do you think that they would have a different risk tolerance? Human nature. Right? Mm-hmm. And so last year, they're saying, well, we really don't want any fixed income. We're, we're, you know, we, we can take on more risk. Sure you yeah. can, because the market just went up. Now I could accommodate down. a 20% drop until it <laughs> happens. Absolutely. <laughs> and then when it goes down, people dollarize. Meaning they talk of not, it's not based on the percent that it went down. It's now based, okay, a 10% drop on a million dollars. You just lost me $100,000. And when it goes up 10%, oh, well, you've done pretty good. You know, it's up 10%. Totally different conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Same percentage. And so this is where having a third party to go over this, that's not emotionally involved in your portfolio. We have your fiduciary duty to get you to the promised land, which is income for life. You never run out of money. That's our goal. And living within your comfort zones and trying to rebalance. How hard is that in the first place? What rebalancing means, I'm going to sell a winner to buy a loser. That's rebalancing. How many people like that idea? Okay, well, this was doing really good. Well, actually, it just did good. We don't know what it's going to continue to do. Well, I don't really want to sell that one because look how well it's done. Well, and you want to put me in this one that's actually down? That's what rebalancing is. Totally emotionally goes against what you really want to do, or at least you think you want to do. So rebalancing isn't easy either. And it's very, you have to almost have an out-of-body experience to do it. <laughs> okay. You know, Don, we, we've, we've uh, 
we, we've seen those charts that, that show investment asset classes. And every single year, it's like someone reshuffled the deck, right? So international equities might, have, might be number one that particular year. The next year, they're near the bottom. And, it, mm. and that's to your point, exactly. Yeah, 100%. So, so that would be a simple rebalancing. And that's hard enough. Right? When I say simple, that is not simple. There's too much emotion that goes into rebalancing. Then on top of that, if you're dealing with our RI profile discretionary fund, now we have a person that not only, it's not only rebounced for you automatically, now we have some tactical tilts. Now this is a, a total new level of rebalancing. So what this person does, he looks at all the data that you know, Gary just spoke of and a lot more and says, okay, should we have more money in US? What's the risk reward there? It's actually a little bit expensive. So as of the latest uh, end of November, he reduced his US holdings based on the normal allocation. He's increased um, merging markets and international a little bit. And actually right now fixed income is projected to do just as well as, as the risk of, uh, sorry, the returns of US right now. So these are called tactical tilts. And this is not to be done at home boys and girls, okay, <laughs> don't try this at home. This is, this is where you have a lot of data and you're trying to make unemotional decisions based on risk and reward. Very difficult to do. And this person has done a great job in, in his previous life with, uh, with uh, Manulife. And we've had him on the show, Philip Peterson. Yeah. He added one and a half percent per year return by these tactical tilts, okay? And you, you know and, what I noticed about talking to Philip, sorry to interrupt on, sure. was that as you're saying, and as Gary's saying, people are caught in the moment or even what happened last week. And that's the game. That's the world that they're in. People like Philip Peterson, who you're talking about, they're not even in that game. They're dealing in a world that's one or two steps ahead. And I've noticed that even when we're talking to him, I'm thinking to myself, What's he talking about? But he's not <laughs> talking about the present world. He's living in a completely different world where every day he's thinking about two or three days ahead. I'm just using that as an example, of course. Yep. And, 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 and it's a completely different world than the hobbyist is in, per se. Understanding <laughs> it, the data and knowing what to do with it. Absolutely. Yeah. It got yeah. nothing and to do with emotion whatsoever. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Very pragmatic. Takes a look at data, makes decisions based on that data. And first of all, getting this data, where do you get this from? That's all he does. And he does a fantastic job. In fact, he'll be back on the show uh, sometime mid-January after uh, we have the third quarter results and he'll go over the last quarter. We have him each quarter on part of the show and he does a great job. So that would be reviewing your asset allocation regularly. Now, now the fun stuff, you're, you're about to have a lot of family around and this is a great topic to have, that difficult conversation about money. If you're starting to age and thinks about, okay, well, you know, what about a retirement home? Um, start to bring your kids into the picture a little bit. It's very difficult. But if you start discussing these with maybe minor topics, um, they can lead to call it more high risk topics down the road. So let them involve because it's a lot harder to go from, you know, zero to a hundred in one afternoon when there's some event that took place and now you have to take your parents into a retirement home and you don't know if the, what they can afford, what they even want. All these things haven't been discussed. And so make it easier to really know what your feelings and wishes are and also have a bit of a reality check. Okay, I've now retired. We used to do this. I can't afford that anymore. 
I've gone through my financial plan and this is now the lifestyle that we can afford. And so have that reality check and don't be, you know, don't be ashamed of it. It might actually be better than you thought. It could be the opposite. You know what? Hey, we've been under living for a long time. Let's really have some fun. And we've had those conversations with clients too, where we say, you know what? We can actually increase your retirement. And I just had this two weeks ago um, by 25% and you still will not run out of money by the time you hit a hundred. Oh, why don't we do that? So that's a person that was planning to underlive and leave a lot of money um, to their to their estate, which wasn't their real goal. So again, start having those conversations. On that topic, though, business owners. Sorry, Gary. No, I was just going to say, Don, and that's a great point. And as you as you well know, uh, for those people that find it difficult to have intergenerational conversations uh, about their situation with with family members and so on. Uh, we do encourage that a lot, of course, with our clients to par- for us to participate in those meetings and, and basically uh, orchestrate those meetings so that we can get information shared a little more effectively when people find that difficult. Uh, you know, it's so much easier having a third party. In. And sometimes we, we forget how these topics would not be drummed up, if you will, if we weren't there. And some of the questions wouldn't even be thought of because this is what we do for a living. You know, so can as, we so can we book you guys for Christmas dinner? Can I pencil that in right now? And we'll, what are you having? You can yeah, uh, oh, the, the, the usual fare, but you'll be positioned right in the center of the table. Uh, you know, buns on either side of you to toss, and uh, you can referee. It'll be beautiful. Bring it, my catcher's mitt. Yes, <laughs> it would be a Christmas you'd never forget, Scott. Sure, we'll take video. It'll be a movie by next year. <laughs> So, and again, these are the topics and it's been almost a taboo subject to talk about amongst family, but you got to remember, okay, maybe one day when they're five, 10, 12, 15 years old, 20 years old, you didn't really want to discuss money, but you know, if what you, you know, now you got adult kids and they're 40 years old looking after their affairs too. What a great time to start bringing them into the picture. So they understand. And you also start to understand where they are on the subject and maybe you should trust them wholeheartedly. Maybe you shouldn't these type of things will come out and maybe you need to have set up trust in your will rather than letting, uh, letting your children be executors or looking after the affairs. So these type of things will come out, but they only come out if you have the discussion. So again, get ready for that difficult discussion, but it's so much easier if Gary or I or anybody in the Fox team get involved in this discussion. Now going uh, next is be business owners. Um, what about a succession plan for them? I recently came across a business owner he was a, it was a partnership, 50-50. Unfortunately, one partner died. Thankfully, they had a succession plan. The other partner has taken over with the estate. No, the estate is, is simply a, a shareholder that isn't involved in the business. Well, what happens if now the other partner passes away? No, the business. And I asked him that question. And he goes, I don't know what would happen. Likely not good. And that was, it made him start thinking, what would happen to the business if I wasn't? Now, the reason I asked is, he had some health issues himself. So I'm, I, I thought of this is a succession plan that needs to be addressed in your business. Talk about this is your life savings is often wrapped into your business. You need to create a succession plan and it might be an insurance policy to, to create an income to find somebody or it might get some junior people in now that can learn the ropes. So depending on the situation. And the next one, retirement does not mean you have to, to retire 100%. We've talked about this before, Scott and Gary, um, about you can always get a part-time job. Oh, isn't that the point of retiring is not to work? Well, maybe or maybe not. 
some people enjoy it. I've had, you know, one of my best friends, he went and he's uh, working at, at Home Depot, having a ball. A couple shifts, a few shifts a week, he's actually turning down shifts. But I worked it out. Let's say you had a half million dollars invested and you need $4,000 a month from those investments. Well, that money's going to last about 14 and a half years at 5%. And so you'll be 79 and a half and you will not have any money. So then you'd have to sell the house or, or reduce your lifestyle drastically. Well, let's say if you could just work and make 18,000 a year, 1500 a month. Now you're only taking 2,500 from your investments. And now 10 years later, you do this for 10 years till you're 75. You'll have 433,000 at that time. And then your money, then you stop working. You take 4,000 a month. And now it'll last 12 more years, which will take you to 87, a lot better than 79 and a half. Now, one step further, let's say you actually were able to make 2,500 a month, 30,000 a year, plus you had to take 1,500 out of the investments. Well, your money actually grows for the next 10 years because you're, it, you're only taking out less than it's making. So it's worth now 590,000 in 10 years. Then you stop. You start drawing out 4,000 a month. It now lasts. 19 more years, which will take you to 94. It's absolutely incredible what a little bit of extra income can do because now you're delaying pulling as much out of your investments allows them to grow. It's a great strategy. Again, talk to your financial planner to make sure this what works for you though. And conversely, a little less spending can work. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> I don't know if you're, in a home, if you're in a Home Depot, you may come home with tools every day. I'm thinking that too. Um, yeah, good point. Uh, We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Don, I wanted to ask you a question in your last segment uh, in regard to working part-time and such. I've heard some seniors say that it's not worth their time because any money that they make in their part-time job, they're only going to have to give something up, whether it's a benefit or tax in some way. Yeah, that uh, generally doesn't work out that way at all, Scott. Often you're able to income split with your significant other, so that will help reduce your taxes, particularly if you're over 65 or you have a defined benefit plan. So working, you know, not even the financial side of it. Okay, take that apart. The, but it, it makes sense. It makes it, happiness factor goes up, feeling mm-hmm. valued. There's so many things that go into having that part-time job. But yeah, some, from strictly financial, you know, again, speak to your financial planner about this, but it generally, it's the best thing for your, your net worth. Hmm. And, and on that topic, uh, I talk about deferring tax. I know Gary's uh, going to be talking about, here's a, here's a strategy that's been kind of resurrected from 2019 budget that will defer tax. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Don. So it's it's called the Advanced Life Deferred Annuity, and the the acronym is uh, is ALDA. And I, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners have not run across this or, or are familiar with it. But you know, a lot of the things that that Don and I run across and have conversations with with people um, as they're aging, of course, are are things like 
uh, the potential of being clawed back of, uh, from their OAS uh, if their income is, is beyond the thresholds and so on. Um, people having to take RIF money out of their investments if they don't really need it and having to pay tax on that. Um, and then, of course, there's, there's the whole issue of longevity of, of our lifespans in today's world and making sure that we, you know, we stretch out our money as, as long as possible, and not to mention uh, legacy issues in terms of passing things along. So it, uh, the, uh, the two, 2019 federal budget proposed a new type of annuity to provide uh, greater flexibility for us to manage our retirement savings. And funds that are part of, a, of an RSP or RIF, uh, a deferred profit sharing plan, or a defined contribution pension plan uh, can qualify for this particular deferral option. So, so how does it work? And what's the potential benefit? So an ALDA allows for a person to take up to 25% of, of what's in any of those investment pools, registered assets, up to a maximum in, in 2022 and 2023 of 160,000 and not have to take income on that money at age 71, like we do for uh, an RSP. An RSP expires no later than age 71. And the, the typical option is, uh, is converting that to a RIF. Uh, and then you immediately are on the, the government schedule in terms of how much you have to take out uh, as a percentage based on the minimums. So we can defer that 25% of what we have up until the age of 85. So therefore, we're not using it. It's growing tax sheltered. We're not paying tax on that portion. And it provides for a lot of opportunities. And it's a terrific option for people, obviously, who don't need all of their prescribed income based on those percentages. And for example, at age 71 in a RIF, the, uh, the minimum is about 5.3% of whatever we have in there we have to take out. And if that's more than we actually need, again, we, we run into that, that trap. Uh, we have to take it out, pay tax on it. And what a lot of people do is maybe put that into a TFSA and so on. But, you know, it, it creates problems. So yeah, one, another... one, one thing is a big problem. It creates old age security clawback. Yeah, so, of course. Of so course. if it gets you over that limit, this is a great way to defer that and collect your full old age security. So right. that, and also protect against longevity risk. as you Yeah, which is, which is 86,000 for this year in terms of the, that, that threshold. Um, but another great uh, scenario or example where this works out really, really well, let's say someone has a spouse, it could be a, a second marriage or, or whatever the case may be, but could have a spouse that's 20 years younger. And, and that person, uh, you know, say they're, when they reach the age of 65, the, the elder person is 85, and, uh, and then that money can come out and uh, start to be paid and or if that person passes at 85 whatever the case may be but the fact is you're deferring money and the thing that we always look at of course don is and scott is is are there ways to defer or deduct when it comes to tax planning those are the two things that we typically focus on so this is a, a really great opportunity um so i think uh you know by deferring the funds if we if we utilize this particular alda uh, you're creating a significant that significant tax deferral, and it's it's a 14 year period, and you know that's important to when you factor in compounding and everything else. That's uh, that does uh, accomplish a lot of things, and um, particularly longevity risk. I know we talked about yeah. we talk about this all the time, but when a married or or a common law couple one or two reaches 95, right? Okay. That is a big risk. And a lot of people, do you have to plan your money out to this? So if you can avoid 
and you can defer this money. What an opportunity. I, I actually love that product for this. Yeah. Type of situation. No, it's, it has so many, so many benefits and so many uh, uses. And, uh, and I know it's, it's really not well known. Um, and now the optimum time to take advantage of this, of course, is when your investments are up because that 25% is, is going to be at, at a higher level and in, in terms of dollars and, and, uh, just, just more benefit that way. Uh, remember, uh, since you're, you know, you're effectively drawing, uh, uh, removing the money, uh, from, from the ALDA, the government requires that minimum percentage and, um, so that's important to understand what those percentages are. And we're often asked about that in terms of at a certain age, what's the minimum I have to take? Uh, there is a caveat though. Any, any purchases of all the contracts that exceed the individual's limit. So this 25% up to a max of 160, 160,000 will attract a tax of 1% per month on the excess amount, just like TFSA over contributions and so on. Um, however, um, all or a portion of this penalty may be waived if you can show that the over-contribution was a reasonable error and you repay that into the original RIF or RSP, et cetera, uh, the following year from the time it was taken. So there is an out if you can show that it was a, an accident, if you will. I guess the biggest risk with these are the fact that what if you don't make it to 85? Right. Yeah. And that's a question that, you know, and again, uh, we're often asked about those types of things. And, and that's part of the equation that we, we don't know. We have to look at different, different variables, right? We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, we're going to end the year off with more financial tips. Yes, and some may be financial, some may just be lifestyle. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's all about well-being and how healthy and happy your retirement can be. And so right off the get-go, it's a lot of stress to retire. You're used to a certain type of you know, job and sometimes your identity, particularly for males. Okay. Um, they seem to be a little more geared for this. And it's a time of refocusment rather than retirement. You may want to say, you know what? I used to be a financial advisor. Now I'm going to be a photographer and I'm going to put my, my efforts into that, whatever the case might be. And so, you know, and travel early in retirement. So again, regret is one of the worst things I, I probably witness. And it's always about, I wish I had a chance to have done this. Well, we often put in our financial plans in our living life plan is, is a phased retirement. That first 10 years is like a honeymoon stage. And again, it's, it's priced into the plan. This is what we're going to do. Maybe the second 10 would be a little less and the third 10, maybe even less again. Again, a phased um, travel is, is a great way to say, okay, I can afford to this. And you can feel confident that you can actually do it. And this is, again, the planning process. Try a cruise, okay? Family-centered vacations are often a great idea. You know, a lot of people have a cottage and they think, well, everybody will want to get to the cottage. Well, I've come across a lot of situations that may not be the place to be. 
and they end up selling the cottage and they end up having a trip with the proceeds every year. And it ends up, they're having a ball. So again, have, again, goes back to that discussion with the family. What do they really want? And don't worry about, you know, hurting feelings. I know mom and dad love that cottage. So we're going to come up there, but maybe that's not their thing. So um, again, next would be consider pets. Do pets fit in your retirement? Uh, I'm a huge dog lover. And so, yeah, I can't imagine. But again, not everybody is. And how much they in walking is great. It, it finds that uh, dog owners actually generally have a longer life expectancy simply because they walk more. Okay, yeah. It just goes hand in hand. Um, but again, then you got to think, what kind of dog do you want? Do you want a, you know, kind of a low key dog that doesn't need a lot of activity? Or do you want a Jack Russell? That's more what I have, actually, which is uh, a lot of work. So anyway, <laughs> so again, trying to decide on that. And again, how is this going to affect your travel? And so you, you need to look at that. But, you know, exercise, eat better. These are all things. And I say, OK, well, why is my financial advisor telling me about this stuff? We want you to have a great retirement. But and I in fact, I send a book out to a lot of my clients. It's called Younger Next Year. And if you had to look at your life and say, well, most people look at retirement or their health as a constant slow decline until death. Well, this whole book has turned heads on this and said, well, if you keep fit, you, will, you can keep your fitness level up for a long, long, long period of time and have a great life. And then, of course, we all still pass away. Don, and I know that you've experienced this many times, and, and I can say I have as well. When we work with clients for, for a long period of time and they retire, and we watch them thoroughly enjoy the kinds of things and benefit from the kinds of things that you're talking about. How rewarding is that? Oh, personally? it is. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. I love to see these. And I, you know, I've sent this book out to many of my clients, but it's, it's, you just want, you just care about them. You want them to take the nest egg that they've built and make the best use of it. And I always say we want to maximize fun and fun is different for everybody, but at the end of the day, it's hard to maximize fun if you're not healthy. Right. And so uh, walking, it was, uh, there's this, and if everybody could just even Google 23 and a half hours by Dr. Mike Evans. This is, I, I, my doctor had sent me this about a decade ago. It's a great piece. It's only like a five minute vertical, uh, video, but interesting enough, it's the biggest impact on everything versus, you know, compared to eating, weight, drinking, smoking is simply exercising and basically take a half hour of your day and do that walk or have some exercise. The, the strongest predictor of death is low fitness. And, and that's something we can all control is how fit somebody is. Okay. So again, staying active, structure your days around some type of physical activity, participate in education, keep the noodle going, keep fit, you know, keep that curiosity going throughout retirement. Um, often uh, we, we talk to clients about donations and, and foundations for clients. But, you know, even engage in mind activities. I don't know about you, Scott or Gary, but if you haven't tried Wordle, it's, uh, it's an ongoing thing. We have a little Wordle war every, every morning between six of us, male, males against uh, females. And uh, unfortunately, the females keep beating us every month. But anyway, it's fun. And, it's, and again, just these type of things add to people's retirement. So whether it's book reading, all these things, it's, it's, and don't gain a lot of weight. And again, another predictor of, of a poor retirement, if you will, is to gain weight during retirement. So all these things are all factors. 
And at the end of the day, we just want you to have a fantastic retirement. We can work out the numbers. Can you afford it? What will your lifestyle be? How much do you spend? We can work all that out. At the end of the day, we also want you to have a fantastic retirement. And this is what you know, we discuss these in our meetings. And so this is, again, a very big part of the relationship with a, a real financial planner. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Thank you, gentlemen. Another great show and another great year. All the best to you and to yours and have a happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, everyone. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.